Welcome to Just Dow It, the podcast for people starting DAOs. I'm Adam Miller. I'm the CEO of MyDAO, which is the company that provides legal entity solutions for DAOs. And I'm your host. Prior to starting MyDAO, I did consulting for people starting and operating DAOs, and I'm excited to share some of the insights and lessons learned uh, from my experience and from our guests on this show. I'd like to welcome our guests. We have a policy here of not doxing our guests. We will let them dox themselves. So please, uh, would you introduce yourself for the audience? I am Tessa. I'm on Discord under Tessa underscore DAA. Um, I'm pretty much doxed already. I, I, I'm such a noob that I doxed myself from the beginning when I created my Discord handle. So that's pretty much it. On Twitter, I'm DeFi noob. D-E-F-I-N-0-0-B, but I also dox myself there, so doxed everywhere. Awesome. <laughs> and we're going to ask every guest from now on, first of all, you have to promise not to be humble, but I want to know what makes you an authority on DAOs. <laughs> so I'm the coordinator for Fight Club. It's a sub-DAO of, of Bankless DAO. And it, I think if I'm an expert on DAOs, it's maybe more on the venture DAO side where I've, I've done a lot of research and um, we're in the process of creating, you know, a platform for venture DAOs. So yeah, it's been a, been a year of, of learning, experimenting and failing. <laughs> At least that should make me an expert to some degree that I've, I've failed quite a bit or we failed quite a bit in terms of getting a, a venture DAO up and going. Awesome. And I was on a panel discussion that Tessa moderated a few weeks ago at a conference where it became obvious that she is an expert on DAO. So really excited to have you here, Tessa. First up is the Just Dow It news report. That'll be the first half of the episode. And then in the second half, we will do the featured guest interview. So here we go with the news report. First of all, a quick caveat, we're actually re-recording this podcast due to a glitch in the matrix the first time around. And so the news is actually two to four weeks old, but I think in the world of DAOs, uh, still <laughs> really useful information. And uh, I, I think these will be stories that a lot of people still uh, haven't heard about. And we're going to provide our hot takes on every story. So it goes beyond just what's in the news anyways. All right. First story is from... Market Watch headline is Bitcoin tumbles below $21,000 in crypto crash. This chart shows how much worse a sell-off could get. Okay, we're not going to show you the chart. We're all down in the dumps enough already about the market. <laughs> and while this news hasn't actually changed much in the last few weeks, I think the market is, is not down much more, even recovering possibly a little bit. But you may be asking yourself, why are we talking about the price of Bitcoin on a podcast about DAOs? And, and the reason for that is I actually want to ask uh, Tessa and myself, does the price of crypto matter for DAOs? And I'll give you my take first, which is in some ways, yes, some ways, no. I think in a lot of ways, actually, no. I mean, DAOs are about organizing people and resources with technology. You don't need a high crypto price for DAOs to be able to work and to contribute something to the world in terms of a new way of organizing and, and achieving shared goals. So in that respect, I'd say no. On, at the same time, a lot of the people who are most passionate about and interested in DAOs already come from the crypto world. And all of us have seen our net wealth slashed by 80% plus or minus in the last few months. And so you know maybe we'll be a little bit less likely to kick off a new project or buy a token in a DAO we love. So that could have a little bit of downward pressure. What do you think, Tessa? Well, I think a lot of DAOs basically self-funded themselves by issuing tokens, right? And they reward or pay their contributors for their services because nobody really works for free with their 
intrinsic governance tokens to some degree, right? It gives them a utility case for their token. And that being said, when the market goes down, all these alt tokens also go down with it, sometimes more so than the than the major coins. So the price of crypto does matter because, uh, you know, it's, it's actually a little bit worse if you're getting paid in a governance token, you're adding downward selling pressure um, in down markets versus in a bull market, most people actually won't sell their tokens, right? Or they sell less of those tokens because they're converting to USD equivalents, usually to pay their real world expenses. So yeah, it, it, it does make a difference to some degree. That's why I think treasury diversification is a very important topic for DAOs. On the topic of treasury diversification, I mean, any like quick take in terms of advice or tools that you'd recommend uh, people check out if they're interested in that subject? It's just basic COO stuff where you should have two years of runway in, in uh, stable coins, right? So that you can you can match what your least expenses are. And I definitely feel that most most of the time DAO should be paying in, in stable coins. And if you have any sort of bonus expectations, that's probably given or maybe bounties, those can be given in in governance tokens, but your main con- contributor salaries, those that should be in a in a stable coin. Cool. Awesome. Great advice. I think Olympus is one thing maybe people can check out. Olympus DAO, I believe that's part of the the challenge they're going after is um, treasury management. Next story is from Cointelegraph and the headline is number of DAOs increases 8x along with spike in votes and proposals. The total number of DAOs has increased dramatically over the past 12 months along with their participation rates. And from a little bit farther down in the article, DAO numbers have increased 8.8 times from 700 DAOs in May of 2021 to 6,000 now. Okay, obviously this is awesome. I think we're both excited to hear about more people getting into DAOs. And actually, my take is that this isn't even half as awesome as the truth really is. I recently did some analysis where I looked at the 200 DAOs that I've spoken with in the past few months about MyDAO, our our product, and I looked up each of them on deepdao.io, which is one of the two leading uh, data sources about DAOs and their treasuries. And and that's the number that's quoted in this article from Cointelegraph. So of the 200 DAOs I looked up, only 12 were on deepdao.io. So if you assume that basically 100 over 6 is the ratio of DAOs that exist to DAOs that are in deepdao.io, that means there's actually 80,000, over 80,000 DAOs out there. And admittedly, a lot of them are startup DAOs. They're the equivalent of three people in a garage working on a new technology. Now it's like 20 people spread out around the world in a Discord server working on a DAO. But still, I think actually the news is even more exciting than you know what you hear in the media. So... Curious, uh, Tessa, if you want to add anything onto that. I think there's two sources of, of their DAO numbers maybe spiking. Is one, a lot of the layer one ecosystems have taken VC monies, and one of their KPIs is the amount of users on their platform, right? So it's really, they're, they're giving out a lot of funding sometimes for, for DAOs or communities to onboard because that's what their investors want to see, right? Is how many communities can you bring on? How many users are on your platform? The second is you see a lot of established protocols now spinning off their labs or their actual protocol into a DAO. And that's more for, I think, regulatory purposes to insulate themselves from whatever reason of having a, a token. So now they can distance the, that labs portion from actually 
managing and controlling that protocol. And they can say, no, 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 we're, we're not actually in control of it. We, we have a DAO and, and they're responsible for it. But, you know, usually in those situations, the core team still controls the pretty decent size chunks of, of the voting rights or, or the governance token. So, you know, they might be a DAO, but they're still somewhat centralized and controlled by the same core team. But yeah, those, those are the, I think, the two main reasons we're seeing an increase in DAOs. Awesome. Love to see it. All right. Next article, also from Cointelegraph. Headline is, leaked copy of U.S. draft bill shows DeFi and DAOs under regulatory lens. The draft bill proposes to eliminate anonymous crypto projects with DAOs, DeFi, and exchanges required to legally register in the United States. So this is a really interesting one. And actually, my take is going to come from having read a, a fair amount of, I think it's called a Lumi Gillis bill, something like that. And interestingly, when the bill talks about DAOs, it defines a DAO as an organization that is uh, legally registered, either in the United States or in a foreign jurisdiction using a corporate entity or, or similar uh, structure. But aside from defining that that's what a DAO is, it doesn't say much else. And so my interpretation is that this draft bill is actually very unclear about what it's going to require DAOs to do. Is it saying that DAOs are going to have to register as legal entities, as this Cointelegraph article seems to suggest? Or does it mean that the bill is going to only regulate DAOs that are legal entities? And if so, there wasn't much regulation in the bill. And even going back to the uh, Biden executive order a few months ago, I was surprised that that, that order that, is, that asked the whole U.S. government to come up with crypto regulations across a number of different topics, it didn't mention DAOs a single time. So it seems like the U.S. government is just catching up to DAOs, what they are and how they should be regulated, but clearly still a lot yet to be determined. Tessa, any uh, reaction there? I'm not I'm not a lawyer, so I, I, I can't say <laughs> what, whether or not, but I, I definitely feel that DAOs should have a, some sort of legal wrapper, at least of some sort, because if you don't have a legal wrapper, then all your members are, are equally liable for any action that the DAO does or any action of another DAO member. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely a proponent for having some sort of entity structure. You know, where, where that structure is, I think every DAO has to do their own research and it's constantly changing too in terms of regulations. But yeah, I'm not surprised that the US you know, lawmakers are behind in terms of crypto knowledge. I mean, just even crypto native people are struggling to keep up with <laughs> what's going on. Can you imagine not being crypto native and, <laughs> and trying to create roles on it? That's just impossible. So yeah, <laughs> to be expected. Totally. I agree. And uh, to that point about uh, legal entities, the, the next story actually is from a law firm called Skadden. And the headline is putative class action lawsuit alleges DAO members are jointly and severally liable for a cryptocurrency hack. Uh, this is from late May, and there have been multiple stories like this over the past couple of months. We'll talk about this on other episodes as well. This is a perfect example of why DAOs should consider forming legal entities, which is that any group of people that's engaged in a common enterprise for the purpose of profit or achieving some goal will be considered a general partnership, according to the law, if they have not formed some kind of a real legal entity. What that means is that you can't sue the DAO because it doesn't exist according to the law. You can only sue the people. And when the DAO gets sued, the people get sued. And so in this case of the cryptocurrency hack, it's actually the individual members of the DAO that will have to defend themselves in court against this suit. 
uh, or else you know face personal liability. Whereas if you have a legal entity, then you're generally protected with the liability shield of the corporate corporate entity. Anything to add, Tessa? No, I think that's a that's a great assessment. I think a lot of people go into DAOs without that understanding, but I think it's actually worse if you have Americans in your DAO because all all this legal structure is coming from America. So unless there's a way for your DAO to just like keep Americans out, you're you're still kind of liable, which makes it even worse. Whether it's actually enforceable for non-US people is a different story, but um, yeah, if you're an American in a DAO, you should definitely have. Uh, illegal rapper attached to that DAO. And, and I respect folks that are taking the, the real like censorship resistant kind of revolutionary approach to DAOs and saying, you know what, we're not going to have a legal entity. We're not going to tie ourselves to the traditional system. You know, we are going to keep our members as anonymous as possible. And that's how we're going to protect ourselves from liability. You know, that I think it's great to have revolutionaries in the world and there should be people who are pursuing, you know, those types of DAOs as well. But I think the world that I come from and, and certainly it sounds like Tessa probably comes from as well. The DAOs that we're working on, we want them to be legally recognized. We want them to be able to do things like have a bank account or invest in startups or, you know, sue or be sued to protect intellectual property or other property. And certainly that's the work that I do, you know, professionally at my DAO is, is along the same lines. So I think both approaches, you know, I can I can respect. It just depends on what it is the DAO is trying to achieve. Agreed. Bankless DAO, for example, is does not have a legal entity. There's been a lot of research into it. But Fight Club definitely will have a, a legal entity wrapper on it, just the way that we we did our research and planned it. All right. Next uh, article, uh, relatedly, this is from CoinDesk. A16Z says DAOs may be better off filing legal papers and paying taxes. Uh, the venture capital firm, by the way, uh, A16Z, formerly known as Andreessen Horowitz, one of the leading investment firms in technology, uh, released an analysis today further underlining the possible U.S. legal structures for DAOs and suggesting it might be best not to run offshore to avoid taxes. Right, so that's great. You know, obviously the, the product I sell is a offshore entity in the Marshall Islands, um, but certainly not one that people should be using to avoid taxes. DAOs are, are tend to be global and should look at all the entities that are available and decide what makes the most sense for them. But uh, I would certainly agree, you know, it's in line with what we were just talking about. DAOs should generally speaking, be paying taxes and, and following other laws and regulations, um, again, unless they're really trying to be revolutionaries. Um, I think that you can find the paper if you search for A16Z, DAO, legal. Uh, it's written by Miles Jennings and, and David Kerr, um, uh, both of whom I've spoken to and, and are very smart uh, folks in the DAO world. Tessa, anything to add? Yeah, you should never avoid paying taxes. <laughs> At least if you're an American citizen, then you definitely want to always pay your taxes. The IRS will, they can freeze your accounts and then you're you're basically guilty until and you have to prove your innocence without any funds because they'll freeze your account. So definitely pay your taxes whenever you can. Good, good advice. Not financial advice or legal advice ever on this podcast, but good general advice. Um, okay, uh, next article is from The Defiant. Uh, Christensen drops radical plan to remake MakerDAO and address quote unquote fundamental problems. Uh, next line is plagued by financial losses and apathy by its members. MakerDAO founder Rune Christensen proposed on May 31st a radical new restructuring plan for the blue chip DeFi project. 
So, you know, MakerDAO is one of the early DAOs and one of the largest DAOs. I think it's very well known. It's very well respected. And so it's, it's surprising to hear uh, one of its leaders talk about fundamental problems. I, a little bit deeper down in the article uh, are specific numbers for where these problems are coming from. And a big header from Rune Christensen saying no longer profitable. Uh, the numbers, FYI, are headcount, 115 people. It's a pretty big DAO. Uh, annual cash burn rate of 43.6 million. Maker compensation in die terms is estimated at $17.3 million. Maker burn stability fees, 51.4 million, all these numbers in dollars, for an annual loss of $9.4 million. I think, you know, this is a, kind of a reality check for MakerDAO. And I think a lot of DAOs are, are running into some reality checks. You know, a lot of DAOs are built by a crypto native, you know, Web3 leaders and innovators and again, revolutionaries and sometimes putting a philosophy first, for example, of decentralized structures and lack of leadership, lack of hierarchy, maybe a permissionless social architecture. But uh, DAOs are still businesses, you know, they're organizations and organizations need to, to break even or be profitable if they're going to survive for the most part. And this is just an example of one of the leading DAOs uh, having the same uh, realization. Anything you'd add, Tessa? Yeah, I think I think that's pretty much true. I think a lot of times you're looking at protocols that are run by smart contracts, and then all of a sudden you want to add DAOs to it. And without any centralization, it's hard to, it's hard to keep I think expenses in line, unless you're using maybe some sort of bounty system. But if you if you just do kind of like contractual work or some sort, you're it's hard to keep that number aligned with what's best for the DAO versus what the individual person wants. Because individual is going to maximize their earnings versus the DAO is trying to maximize right the DAO value, but the individual doesn't really see that so so much. And I, that's just a typical startup problem I think is is you know a little bit of overbloat and without centralized authority within a business structure it's hard to hold people accountable for their tasks and KPIs there's definitely probably room for a maker to cut and for for service styles especially that's that's a big issue yep makes sense all right final article is from Cointelegraph again and the headline is what are investment DAOs and how do they work so timely article because we have uh, one of the founders of uh, a leading investment DAO on the call in Tessa. Uh, I will read the first couple sentences of the Cointelegraph definition of what investment DAOs are. And then I'm excited to hear uh, Tessa's response, agree or disagree, and if you'd add any color uh, to what an investment DAO is, generally speaking. So the header is, uh, headline is, what are investment DAOs and how do they work? And then the next couple sentences, investment DAOs, where crypto-rich buyers team together to back startups or make investments, work based on governance rights enforced through smart contracts, and a decentralized autonomous organization that raises and invests capital into assets on behalf of its community is an investment DAO. Investment DAOs tap into the power of Web3 to democratize the investment process and make it more inclusive. That all sounds very cool. I'm going to turn it to you, Tessa, to uh, agree or disagree and share uh, what you believe an investment DAO is. Yeah, that's 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 pretty accurate. I, I think in a, an investment DAO, it's, it's basically instead of a traditional investment fund structure where you have a general partner making the decisions and doing the due diligence um, and them getting paid like a, a carry, a percentage of the deal flow on that and a, and a management fee. Um, an investment DAO is basically 
members that are operating and making those decisions collectively. So there is no general partner. The members are all acting as a general partner per se. They become managing members. And together, they crowdsource their deal flow. They crowdsource their due diligence. And they basically come up with a a decision to whether invest or not together. And that makes it a bit different from an investment club where investment clubs might share the deal flow, but the investor is still responsible for the due diligence themselves. And they each sign into an SPV separately. So yeah, investment DAOs, you pull your money together, you make that decision together, you find the deals together. It's it's kind of an all-in sort of thing, which has its pros and its cons. But it's definitely a, a unique structure within within crypto, and, and it's a good experiment. All right, that is the end of the Just Dow It News report, and now on to the featured guest interview here with Tessa. Let's start with a little bit of background. Uh, Tessa, uh, tell us about your background and how you got into Web three and DAOs in the first place. Yeah, so my background has always been a trading side. I've been in prop trading, quantitative trading for most of my career. Um, in 2019, I, I joined a hedge fund started by my ex-coworkers, Digital Asset Alpha. It's under Uphold Asset Management. So that was the launch of and basically threw me down the, the rabbit hole of, of crypto. But it basically started with me just doing traditional quantitative TradFi strategies on crypto. And then as you know, you start to go down the rabbit hole, you start to learn more about DeFi. And then from DeFi, you know, I was I was subscribed to the Bankless newsletter because that was a great way to get your feet wet and to, to learn about what's going on in DeFi. And then they airdrop the the bank tokens, and all of a sudden now I'm part of a DAO and I can you know participate. And it just becomes this giant experiment, which is what crypto is, right? You're like every new trend that comes up, you basically have to just put aside a little bit of money as as educational costs and experiment with it. So I put aside some time and. And then went into Bankless DAO, and a couple other people had the same idea for for a venture DAO. And I did the research on it, did some proposals, and people were, you know, supportive of it. And that's what Fight Club has become. It became it went from being a singular venture DAO, which is why we have the name of Fight Club, to becoming a platform of venture DAOs with educational programs. And it's it's all organic, you know. There's it's not my decision. It's kind of like what kind of came up from what the group decides. So that's kind of how it goes. And that's that life. You mentioned that you submitted a proposal, it got approved and thus began uh, this project. And I think people hear a lot about proposals and voting in DAOs. Could you talk a little bit more? I mean, what does that really mean? What, what does it mean to make a proposal? Was this in Discord? Was it in a on-chain, off-chain? What did that look like? The entire process, it, it was a, a slow process because it was my first time dealing with a DAO. So the first was a lot of polls just to gauge the, the relative temperature check of, of small little communities. And then once the polls were passed, you could kind of narrow down exactly what you were asking for in terms of proposals. So I went from a poll of, hey, is anybody interested in this? And then people said yes. And then I was like, great, to like a proposal of, okay, well, we like to make this a project in, in Bankless DAO, which means it could have its own little Discord channel. So <laughs> it became a project and it needed the support of several of the, the Bankless DAO guilds. And you know, once that was given, okay, now we have our project channels. Okay, now we need a proposal for funding because now we have an idea of what we wanted to do. We, we kind of identified the costs and this is where the educational program came in where we did a proposal to get funding to pay for the cost of our webinars. 
that's the process that every time we we needed a budget or we we required a grant we would have to go to Bankless and submit a proposal for that. So it's it's a slow iterative step. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. I mean, it's a lot like in a traditional company, you know, maybe proposing something to the leadership and getting their approval, but instead you're proposing something to the whole community and the other teams in the organization and, and getting their approval before mm-hmm. you move forward. And I, I love that... Uh, you know, the first thing you were looking for was a, a Discord channel, right? Just a, a place where you can have the conversation yeah. and, and work on the project yeah. together. And it's like getting yeah. office space, I think, in, in the traditional world. Exactly. Yeah. Or just like a meeting time or an email address. You're like, can I just get a little email just, just to be a little bit official? <laughs> All right. So tell us a little bit more about uh, what projects you are working on now and uh, how they engage with the DAO at large or, or what, what the nature is of those projects in terms of being DAOs themselves. Great question. So Fight Club has a lot of, it's basically a platform for venture DAOs. Um, so we that's where we spin up our, our different funds, if you will. Um, and then we have educational programs. So our first educational program is is a crypto how to be a crypto analyst and we just graduated our first cohort so our next step is we're putting them into due diligence teams and that's where they can actually partner up with a a a real life venture analyst and they work on the due diligence for the deals that the venture DAOs see so now they get mentorship from the actual analyst and they get to actually build their on-chain resume by participating on these deals and at which point we'll give a soulbound NFT. So they will actually be building their on-chain resume. And our first venture DAO is, uh, we call it Genesis Fund. We have an onshore and offshore version and that's early stage Web3 investments. Um, We had to separate it between US versus non-US, basically for accreditation standards and, and keeping it, you know, what's the most tax efficient, I think, for our non-US uh, Fight Club members, right? So that so that was definitely something that we had to think about. And at least coming from a traditional, I think, fund role, it, it made a little bit more sense. And it makes sense for, you know, for members who are used to that structure. You have an onshore and offshore sort of system. And we have, you know, we have great partnerships. We, we're partnering with Play for Change DAO and Bankless Brazil to create, I guess, a mentorship pipeline for Play for Change DAO. They... They're like a they're they're like a YGG. I mean, a scholarship program of sorts where they they're in the favelas of Rio, and they're teaching their their participants you know how to earn money with with a play to earn. And along with that is a lot of educational programs like how do you budget, how do you open up a bank account, like providing them with like better reading and writing skills because the educational system kind of you know, in, in underserved communities is, is not really seen as a priority, working as a priority. So, you know, they have a lot of programs and nonprofits that they work with that provide this other additional education stream. And another one is called Platform Impacto, where they're giving them Web2 programming skills. Um, so we're creating a pipeline for those Web2 sort of participants once they graduate to kind of get their feet wet into Web3 and actually start as like junior developers so that they can build their on-chain resume and develop a network within crypto space. And hopefully by getting them and pushing them into crypto, they can number one, have higher paying jobs. And then number two, they'll be able to bring on and mentor people from their community into the crypto space, which is always huge. So that's, that's, that's a nice pipeline that we're working on. And uh, 
yeah, it's great. It's, it's, it's actually super exciting because that's actually where you see like crypto can make a difference in, in the world. And, and as from a fight club investor standpoint, you know, we're buying these NFTs directly, you know, similar to what YGG does from the gaming developers at a steep discount. So as long as the market supports it, you know, that's, that's a different story, but as long as the market supports it, everybody can, can kind of win and, and get the yield that they want from that investment return. So that's something that we're, we're pretty excited to put into play, I think in the upcoming, you know, next few quarters. That's awesome. Um, I, I love the program you described in terms of a kind of a junior analyst working with a mentor, you know, more senior investor to learn the investment process. I mean, that's an amazing opportunity mm-hmm. that those types of jobs at VC funds are usually extremely hard to get. Are there still positions open if people want to apply or have those already been filled? Well, so that's just through our educational program. Um, right now, the educational program is basically limited to Bankless DAO members for the first iteration. We're definitely opening it up to more people. We're having a public NFT. So you can either participate in Fight Club through the purchase of the public NFT sale, or we're doing a kind of a work to earn because we realize, you know, it, not everybody can afford the NFT price. So we're definitely creating a program where, you know, you can enter our DAO as a guest and then participate in some of the activities. I mean, we, we every DAO needs a lot of help and we're no different, you know, we need people who can like know how to use Twitter to, you know, we have like really easy job flows that we just need help with. Um, so that's a great opportunity for people to come in and, and earn their like Fight Club NFT that way. And that gives you access to the educational programs and also the due diligence programs. But the main idea is that Fight Club is a is a community where we're trying to elevate other communities, whether it's via our venture DAOs, so elevating people through investment opportunities that they normally wouldn't have, or through our educational programs, or through our like mentorship flows. We're we're just trying to you know be like a self sustained public goods kind of uh, DAO. Awesome. And a few terms that came up uh, in the last few minutes uh, that I love. Uh, work to earn is kind of like the TradFi or Trad model, you know, for work. Then you, you mentioned play to earn, which uh, comes up a lot in, uh, mm-hmm. in gaming and stuff. Learn to earn, right? Which is, you know, when people are getting rewarded for learning. And uh, finally, you mentioned soulbound NFTs, which have come up a couple times already on on the on the show. I just want to define that quickly for people. A soulbound NFT is an NFT that you cannot, generally speaking, trade away. So once it's given to you or or attached to your wallet, anyways, sent to your wallet, it's always there. And so it may make more sense for some use cases like identity or reputation or a certification, you know, those kinds of things where, you know, after I'm certified, I shouldn't be allowed to like sell my certificate to another person. Um, so I think that exactly. that's an exciting concept. Um, yeah. Um, all right. Well, you know, I know a lot of people that are looking to get involved in DAOs or are starting DAOs uh, think a lot about roles. Like, what are the various roles that um, you should have in the DAO, or what role do you want to take on? And at least that's the traditional world way of, of thinking about participating or contributing in a project. Um, what roles or focus areas do you have at Fight Club and Bankless DAO? So me personally, I am the coordinator for Fight Club. So that's trying to hurt all the cats. I'm a cat herder. I, I fail a lot of the times, especially when I change time zones in my calendars, don't update. I just, I'm like, I'm creating meetings that I don't even know what time time zone it's in. That's, that's definitely an issue. 
And then within Bankless DAO, I'm, I'm part of the token treasury team on, on tokenomics. So I'll, I'll participate in like tokenomics diversification um, discussions and, you know, just a, any sort of like tokenomics conversations I, I try to be present for. If, if somebody's looking to join a DAO, you just have to basically just join, look around because there's going to be a million things. And then find the area that you're interested in and just be extremely proactive about it. Like say, hey, I want to learn more about this. How can I help you with this? And and that's the way to go. And and most times I would say most coordinators are a bit overwhelmed and we're just like, Great, we have all this blah. Like, can you help with blah? And and you kind of have to go. And if you have your own thoughts and ideas, you know, definitely bring them up. But realize it's going to be very entrepreneurial on that side. You're going to have to figure out how to get it done. Um, and people are going to be willing to help you, but most times they don't know how to help you, which is you know sometimes the way of the DAO. So you're going to have to figure that out yourself. But definitely go for it because it's a great opportunity if you're if you're on the entrepreneur entrepreneurial mindset. The way of the DAO. I think that could be another good uh, podcast title if anyone's looking to start their own podcast <laughs> yeah. here. Um, <laughs> at least we should talk more about the way of the DAO. Uh, speaking of the way of the DAO, you know, I want to turn to asking you for uh, some about some of your experiences with DAOs and, and get some advice for the folks listening to the show. Could you talk about some of the growing pains that you experienced early in Bankless DAO and, and or early in Fight Club and how those were addressed? Yeah, I think one of the biggest growing growing pains in the in the first steps of a new DAO is your your new member onboarding process. I think when I first joined, it was just an influx of people who had just received an airdrop, right? Clueless people just joining a DAO because they were airdrop tokens. And the founding members of Bankless DAO, like Frog Monkey and Above Average Joe, they did such a great job in terms of like kind of helping us noobs through. And I think that's kind of what you need is you need to kind of have core people and then figure out a process now to to onboard new members as quickly as possible to bring them up to speed with the different projects within a DAO, like definitely with Notions or or Canvas. You you need to have some sort of documentation that people can access. And then also having representatives who are willing to be that, you know, Walmart introducer person, right? That Walmart welcomer, you you definitely need those people who kind of have a good idea of like what's going on in the DAO and can like point them in the right direction. That's, that's pretty much it. I mean, I've I've listened to a lot of other podcasts with VCs talking about, you know, what, what they're looking for and and community building is one of the the things that they struggle with the most um, and what they see their projects struggle with the most. So spending a lot of time and, and resources, and it's a constantly changing process on that onboarding and, and that experience is huge because if like I, I've tried to join other DAOs before, right? I've been through the onboarding process, but I, I definitely didn't stick around because I couldn't figure out where my place was. So having really talented people come in and helping them find their place as quickly as possible is something that you should strive for and that should be a goal of, of the DAO. Makes sense. So good community management, good onboarding for new members or interested members. I think those are two pieces of awesome advice. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes, you know, when you're, especially when you're new to a DAO, 
It's a lot like uh, volunteering at a nonprofit. Now, maybe uh, you get to the point where you're being compensated for your time, but it's not like you're walking in on day one with a salary. And so, you know, imagine a volunteer showing up to a food shelter and you can't find an office, you can't find anyone in charge. Maybe you see people around doing cool work, but you don't know where to go first or next. And, you know, in that case, you might just walk away and, and find a different food shelter, right, to volunteer at. And so I think uh, DAOs should, should, you know, think of themselves that way. You really do have to be engaging, especially until uh, someone's actually getting paid for their work. That's a great analogy. That's 100% true. It's like, I mean, the, the first year of, of Fight Club, at least the first nine months, were until we got that first bankless grant, everybody was on volunteer basis. Like nobody actually was getting paid any, they weren't getting paid anything. And even now, they're, if, if you're actually talking in terms of salary, it's probably much less than, than what they could actually make someplace else. So it's, it's definitely they're involved because they believe in the project and they, they want to see it through and they, they feel some ownership of it. So that ownership feeling is is something very important for DAOs, especially in the early stages if you don't have the the funding and the resources. You're you're essentially a bootstrap startup with the promise of like, okay, we'll make you whole at some point. Makes sense. What challenges have you faced more recently with Bankless or, or with Fight Club? I think it's the common challenge right now of being in a bear market. I think a lot of people because they were, if they were working for DAOs, they've taken like, like you said earlier, like a hit to their personal net worth, right? And it's they're scrapping by. So the mood is is a little bit down, and I think that's a big challenge to how to keep people motivated and engaged. Usually, it's you know people are very motivated by money, so you know if if you have that going for you, that's great. In a down market, you don't have that, so then you really have to have motivation coming from like. They have to believe in the project. They have to see progress, and it's it's really difficult that like because sometimes you're you're gonna hit walls and go in circles. Like I think the first six months of Fight Club, we were going in circles and trying to figure out what what the structure is gonna look like. What is what does the venture now actually look like? It's a quite a difficult motivation and engagement is is pretty difficult. Makes sense. All right. So taking a step back, generally speaking, uh, what advice do you have for people starting DAOs today? I think the first thing is probably join another DAO first, right? Get 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 used to what needs to happen. Understand how Discord works, the the tools that you'll need. We're we're using Notions a lot. We started with Notions. We hated Notions. We went to Canvas. We came back to Notions. Just seeing what all the different how, how DAOs are approaching problems differently, I think is a great way. Speak to other DAOs, collaborate with other DAOs, just, just building a network so that you can, you don't have to recreate the wheel. I think everybody's probably solved or tried, attempted to solve the same problem different ways. So figuring out what works for all of them is, is a really good idea. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the best advice is like jump into a DAO and, and see what you can learn from them and then learn from their mistakes. And then, you know, if you spin up your own DAO, you won't have to repeat them. I like that. And uh, I would also say, you know, yes, you'll learn so much from joining other DAOs. 
there's also a lot of stuff none of us in the DAO space have figured out yet. I mean, I'd say that's that's a pretty consistent perspective that I hear that this is so new and we're trying to do things in such a different way from how things have traditionally been done that there are so many more uh, uh, solutions that are needed for both the social layer, you know, how do we actually interact with each other in an organization like this? The technology and tooling layer in terms of what tools we can use, like you were talking about Notion and Canvas, so much more work to be done. So definitely go learn from all the DAOs that are out there, but also don't expect them to have all the answers. You, you should probably expect that if you're starting a DAO today, you're part of the, the evolution or revolution, depending on how you look at it, that is figuring out how DAOs work. So you mentioned a couple tools. Uh, do you have any other favorite tools or least favorite tools that you'd caution against uh, that help people run DAOs? I think at every point, whatever tool you're going to use, is you're going to hate at some point because it's not going to have the full functionality that you want. But, you know, like I said, we, we every DAO starts off on Notions and then you hate Notions and then you'll leave Notions. And we've tried pretty much everything else. And, and we'll probably go back to like, you know, Canvas will we'll probably revisit at some point in the future. We started using DWork for project management so we can actually keep track of like people's contributions as a, as a way of better incentivization and expense management as well. But that's also, a, you know, it's a, it's a work in progress. We don't know if that's necessarily the best DAO tool there. As DAOs evolve, right, there's a common problem and then there's solutions for it. And there's many different solutions out there. So, you know, we, you don't really know if that solution is going to be the be all end all for your problem. But the good thing is that because a lot of these DAO tools are startups, you can work with the teams to get the features that you, you want built in. They're, they're, they're pretty good about the, the feedback. Um, the downside is that they're probably pretty thin. So getting that onto their, you know, it's like a normal business project, right? <laughs> they don't have the headcount. So, you know, your your request goes in line somewhere. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think there's about to be a Cambrian explosion of DAO tooling. I mean, I, I every week I'm meeting more people that are starting new DAO or Web3 community related tools. And uh, a lot of them have just raised their first round or they're going out to investors now, you know, with a small team and that team will certainly grow much faster once they do raise money. So I think the next year is just going to be incredible in terms of uh, DAO tooling. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think right now a lot of people are, are building and that's that's a great thing, right? Yep, the build market. Cool. Well, those are those are some awesome suggestions. What about? I mean, at the at the protocol layer or the governance layer, are there any tools you you recommend that you've had a good experience with? So right now, for overall governance, we're within Fight Club. We're still just using polls. We're gonna probably migrate to Snapshot a bit later on. That's what Bankless uses. Um, so we kind of mimic what Bankless DAO already uses. There's no there's no reason for us to kind of like recreate the the system. Um, for their venture DAOs, we partner with Coinocracy, and they have they provide our backend, um, which is very similar to what the Lao and, and Meta Cartel ventures use, the other venture DAOs, in terms of like proposals, governance, votings, and whatnot. And we're we're always exploring different layer ones or layer twos. Uh, the the goal is to find a platform that it doesn't cost that much to actually have governance proposals or votes, or you know, it's it's very easy to to use. We don't want something that 
requires a lot of bridging or, or is extremely difficult for wallet creations or, or stuff like that. You know, we want something that's fairly easy for, for our members to use. But that's pretty much it. We're, we're, you know, blockchain agnostic. It's just security and ease of use is the main is the main concern. Cool. All right. Last question is, do you have any favorite or, or least favorite? And I can't wait to see who's actually going to answer the least favorite part of the question. But any favorite or least favorite DAOs that people should check out? I'm not going to say least favorite. <laughs> favorite DAOs. Favorite DAOs. I think definitely Bankless DAO you should t- check out for Service Guild. I think Ray Guild does a good job. I like their onboarding process a lot, too. Going into the to the bigger DAOs like MakerDAO and SushiSwap, those those are interesting to see how they're they run their operations because that's almost like running a multi, you know it's a multi million dollar corporation at that point. So seeing how their their run is extremely interesting as well, and they also have a lot of institutional investments as members. So it's it's a little bit more traditional business run than than other dogs um but it's it's great to see like what they've set up in place and how they run their treasury i think MakerDAO has probably one of the best treasury management systems and uh, out of most DAOs uh, around their diversification is, is is it's pretty good it's they've got solid people running their treasury team my answer to that question, Bankless, is an awesome DAO. And that's the DAO that Tessa is a part of that uh, also launched the Fight Club DAO. But Bankless is incredible. It's one of the early DAOs. It's very successful. They have a ton of products um, from uh, real world products like fashion to, um, of course, like Web3 education and media all over the world. It's a really well operating DAO. Uh, I'm a member. You, anyone can become a member by buying a certain number of bank tokens. So check out Bankless DAO for sure. And if you don't subscribe to their newsletter or podcast, I can't recommend any uh, a source of, of news about Web3 more. Um, it's been awesome having you here, Tessa. Um, Tessa, where can people find you and Bankless and Fight Club on the web and on social? Oh, so on the web, you can find Fight Club at fightclub.vc. That has our Discord links and our Twitter handles as well. Um, Bankless, I believe, is just Bankless DAO. Maybe there's an IO. I'm not sure exactly. But if you just Google Bankless DAO, it'll, it'll definitely come up. And um, there you'll find the, the Twitter and the Discord handles as well. Um, I'm at Twitter at DefiNoob with two zeros, so D-E-F-I-N-0-0-B. And um, my Discord handle should be there as well. And I just joined Lens, so I am 0x noob with two zeros in my noob again, um, dot Lens. And I still am figuring out Lens, so there's not much of me going on there. But it's it's cool. It's a cool project to try, experiment. I can't wait to get on Lens. I, I did something. Uh, I contributed to a Gitcoin fund that is supposed to get me early access to Lens protocol. If mm-hmm. people don't know what that is, it's a Web3 social media uh, platform. So kind of like a Twitter or Facebook, but open and decentralized. And it's going to be amazing when people start using it. Um, so uh, I'll let you know when I have a Lens as well. But for now, find me on Twitter. Send me questions that I should ask future guests. Uh, please consider liking us or reviewing us or rating us on your podcast app or on YouTube. Uh, Tessa, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, it's been such a pleasure having you here. I'm sure people learned a lot. I know I did. Uh, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And the final point, audience, are you thinking about starting a DAO? Just DAO it. <laughs> Just DAO it for sure. <laughs> 
Just Dow It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Just Dow It does not contain any legal or financial advice. My Dow also does not provide legal or financial advice, and nor does your host, yours truly.